was wondering, is he going to say yeah. that? Yeah. Uh, I, I should fine. have said Andy because I don't feel pick up on that, but I went Andrew and Duffy. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the BDC Podcast, a podcast in which staff at Barking Dagenham College share insightful and entertaining conversations with the digital learning team. We hope to enrich the community at the college by making connections in each fortnight of the episode. I'm Nathan, I'm a digital learning apprentice, and today I'm joined by Andy Duffy, Head of Digital Learning. How are you doing, Andy? I'm very well, thanks, Nathan. Are you excited for a podcast recording? Yeah, I am. I'm a little bit nervous, having not done anything like this before, but yeah, it's going to be fun. So the podcast is an idea that Oliver and Sophie from Digital Learning Team have had for a while now, and we're finally going to get it up and running. Today's episode will be a special episode, and we're just going to go through the format and put this out as a demonstration. So... For the first section of the podcast, we ask guests to bring a topic that they'd like to talk about with them. And Andy, I know that you've wanted to talk about your boat on the podcast. Yep, um, somewhat reluctantly, but uh, yeah, I talk about the boat all the time. So I'm aware that anyone listening to this that may know me already in the organisation will have heard about the boat at some point. But hopefully someone out there hasn't heard about it and this might be of interest floor is yours okay so uh, yeah well <clears throat> as I say I talk about it quite a lot because it consumes most of my um, outside of work time so I'm thinking about it all the time basically and it's been like that for just under two years so um, yeah the boat basically uh, if I start from the beginning I so I've worked at the college for nearly 12 years and about two years ago or just just a bit longer than that I I was wondering what I could do creatively outside of work that might be um, fun, that could give me new opportunities and, and maybe even make me some money. So um, I wanted to buy a second property and try and do it up and things like that. And I had all these different ideas, as most of us do. But I, um, yeah, somehow I landed on the idea of building a boat. Um, and it started out initially as I was looking to to build or maybe buy a second hand boat, renovate it and then make this creative space um, and do it exactly how I wanted to. And I knew it was quite unusual. So that kind of uh, excited me a bit more about doing it. Um, and then while I was doing some research into this, it was more of a, a pipe dream, really. I was thinking, oh, I could buy a boat. And I spoke to friends about it. And um, some of them were, you know, coming up with all the negatives, the reasons why not to do it, um, which I... I'm pretty good at doing myself anyway. Um, and then some people said, yes, great, do it, blah, blah, blah. Um, so yeah, I, I just had this pipe dream in my head for not very long, probably only a month. And then the selling point really was I, uh, I arranged to go and view one that, that was brand new. It was an empty shell. So it was a, a canal boat. It's quite big, um, but it, it, it was built just as a shell. So I arranged to go and see it. It was uh, in, I think it was uh, Shepperton, Surbiton, somewhere like that, somewhere southwest London. Um, so I went to see this boat and it was up for, it was quite a lot of money. I went there thinking I'm only, I'm just basically servicing this pipe dream idea that I have. Um, and then of course, it's like going to see a puppy when you're not sure about getting a dog and then you come away with a puppy. I went to see this boat and uh, I fell in love with the idea of this complete blank canvas inside. Um, and then from speaking to the people, they kind of, obviously as they would, because they were selling this thing, um, told me how I could go about doing it, how I could get my own boat built 
to the spec that I wanted with the windows in the places that I want and stuff like that. So that was probably the the, the thing that s- sold it for me because I came home was like, right, how do I actually do this? You know, how do I finance this? And then I started to look at, at the various risks involved. So um, I think I came up with the idea in September and then by, it was either January or February the following year, I had paid my deposit for this boat to be built. Um, so I was in basically at that point. Um, yeah. And so then I had this journey ahead of me, which I didn't know a huge amount about. And just to point out, um, I've not had a fascination with boats before in my life. This was a new thing. It was more about the building something. It was just a home basically that I was looking to build. Um, and yeah, so I didn't really have any knowledge on boats. I didn't, I'd never been on one. Um, so then this is why it's kind of consumed my outside of work life. Um, but I will say that I'm two years in and I, I love it more than I probably did when I first came about the idea. So um, it took three months for the boat to be, to be made. And that, that's just a shell. So I paid for a, what's called a sail away. It's a steel boat with an engine and a completely empty shell. So to give people an, an, uh, an image of what it looks like, it, the boat is 60 foot in length and it's 12 and a half foot wide. And so living space is 45 foot by around 12 foot. So it's quite a substantial space. And uh, the idea is, is that I have this boat in and around London and central London um, and I can move around. So yeah, um, that's the idea. That was, that was where I started. Um, and if I then jump forward uh, three months, the boat arrived um it got craned in in Watford uh West London which wasn't ideal I live I live this side of London um out in Thurrock so I was having to commute backwards and forwards when I initially started the build it's, it's probably important to mention that um to to build the boat in my head at least I was thinking I I've I, I started my days as a carpenter some people might not know that I did an apprenticeship um, and I worked in a joinery shop for four, just under five years doing cabinet making, did some site work. So I have some knowledge of construction. I, I would, I'm, I'm never going to say that I am a carpenter by trade because that would be disrespectful to those that are because I'm really not. I'm out of touch, but I, I certainly have the confidence to give a project like this a go. Um, and I also, I do like to take risks. So I think that's that's definitely something that um, drew me to this. And I also wanted to one day be able to say, oh, I remember that time when I built a boat because it's quite unusual. So all these things, probably, you know, large part of ego in that, but that they were the reasons partly why I wanted to do it and it'd be fun. So when the boat arrived, it was exactly as I'd planned. It was an empty shell. And then day one, I, uh, I I went with friends, we got it delivered, got it in the water, realized that it's a terrifying thing to try and drive a boat of that size in a narrow canal. Um, and it was all fun on day one. And then day two, I went back on my own for the first time to sort of look at this overall, what I'm going to do. And then I had panic because I'd spent um, a fair amount of money on this thing. And then I thought maybe I'd made the biggest mistake of my life because I had this project that I didn't really know totally how I was going to do it. It seemed like an endless amount of work. And had I just had this pipe dream get out of control, that's that's what I felt. 
Um, and I panicked. I had all the feelings of anxiety of like, the red heat feeling of, oh no, oh no, what have I done? Um, but I'd had that experience before when I'd done other projects and, and doing other things in life. So I sort of felt like I just got to stick with this and that'll pass. And that in the two years has been the only time that I felt like that. I've never had it ever since. And that is genuinely the truth. I've had odd days where I thought, oh, I've got a lot to do and oh, how am I going to afford this? But that is, that's the only day where I've had real doubt. But I think that's just human, human nature to doubt ourselves in that way. Um, and then I started the journey of building the boat and it was, I would mainly do weekends back um, at the beginning because I didn't have electricity on the boat and I didn't have water. So some weekends I, I roughed it. I slept in a tent. It was in the summer, so it was okay. Um, and then I, I learned basically. So um, working in a, in a place like this, the college, there's lots of people with lots of expertise from plumbers to electricians. So I'd learned a lot of it on the internet, YouTube, uh, doing research into different in different parts. And then I'd come and speak to people either here at the college or, or elsewhere because I'd get that foundation knowledge. Um, and yeah, so I've done the, the where I'm at right now, I guess. I've done all of the plumbing, the electrics, that's all in. I have a bathroom, have a kitchen. Um, and now I'm sort of doing all the cosmetics. So it's been a two-year project, which I thought would be done in six months. It's taken a lot longer, but... Along the way, I've learned loads of new stuff. I've met so many interesting people. Some of those I now call good friends. Um, so yeah, the project has, you know, as you can tell by the way I'm talking about it, I have no regrets and it's still not done. I've probably got another six months until I'm complete. And then I don't know what I'll do when I'm done. I, I, I may keep it for uh, a few more years if I'm enjoying being on a boat and navigating around London, which I am at the moment. Um, or I might be sick of it. And then if I am, I will sell it. Um, and the only, the only real thing that I was worried about was losing money on doing this project was if I spend money to do it, I don't really want to lose it. Um, but I should be okay. I mean, the boats, the boats looking good. It's, it, they hold their value to a certain extent. And I also justify this a lot of the time by some people are into cars and they spend thousands on a depreciating asset. Um, some people are into skiing and they spend thousands a year on ski gear and things like that. So this I see as, as, as one of those hobbies. So I kind of justify it to myself in that way. Not that I need to justify it, of course, but it does feel like that sometimes. Yeah, it's brilliant. I, it's, I really like feel the enthusiasm every time you talk about it. So like, like you said, I mean, you've told lots of people about this <laughs> at the college, but um, yeah, I, I don't ever get tired of hearing it because it is such a great like learning experience, really. Something that everyone can learn something from. Yeah, definitely. And I said this once before, um, the naivety for me to do this project, if I'd have, if, if my now self spoke to my two years ago self and said, you know, it's going to take you two years and probably, you know, nearer to three by the time you've completely done, I wouldn't have done this project. I would have kind of gone, no way, like that, that's, and people told me it, people said to me at the beginning, oh, six months, good luck, you're more like two years. And I would think, no way, like these people don't know me, I'm gonna crash this out. Um, yeah, so I think that thought terrified me to think that it would take up that much of my life. But the reason at the same time it's taken this long is because 
I haven't really rushed. There's At the beginning, I rushed a fair bit. I tried to get things done quickly. But there's been a lot of times where, I, I mean, even now, I'm getting back into it as the weather's changed. But in the summer, I've just been enjoying being in central London on a boat. And that in itself is is really fun. So progress has, has, has slowed right down. So I'm in no real rush. I guess if... If I really had to do it fast, I would I could easily do it in a year, no doubt. But, you know, I want to enjoy it while I'm doing it. So that's partly why it's taken so long. But I guess my main point was I had to be naive to do this project. And for me, that's definitely something that I would encourage in anyone else is if you've got an idea, I would just um, I would certainly think of the risks, but I would look at all the potential opportunities um, and then encourage it at all costs. Because what's the worst that would happen if, you know, if my boat sank tomorrow, it's insured. But if, you know, there's no fail with this project unless I don't complete it and I don't see that happening. So that's, yeah, the risk is very small. Well, thank you for sharing, Andy. We're going to go to a lunch break now. So this is the lunch break intermission. This is a segment on the podcast where we ask our guests what their favourite meal, snack, dessert or food in general is. Andy what have you brought along to talk about so do you want snack and meal or do you want any food you want what's your your Uh, definitive favorite well food's a really difficult one because I love so many different types of foods and it changes you know every other week um snack is easy um I, I love a bueno the chocolate bar that's that's my number one a classic bar. and I don't actually have it that often not because I'm being good but I don't want to ruin it I know that if I have too many I won't love a bueno but I do love a bueno that's my my go-to snack um yeah meal uh I'm gonna go this is like this is gonna sound cliche but we spoke about this today um is my mum's roast dinner actually that's I'm gonna go with that because that's a foul safe that'll never get old and never get boring I've not had it for a while but that I'm going to say is my go-to. What's in your mum's roast dinner? Uh, well, so I'm also a vegetarian, which um, I never thought I would be, but I did it as a personal challenge to, to try and not eat meat. So it's kind of ruined it a little bit. So I, when we have family gets-togethers, we um, everyone else has meat and I, I don't. But I just leave off the meat. So the roast potatoes are the number one. This is, you know, that's the big part of the meal. Number one, the roast potatoes. All of it, really, depending on what they're having. So sometimes there's yolks of pudding, um, the carrots, peas, gravy. It's brilliant. And I can't... I've got my mum to show me how she makes her roast potatoes. I like cooking. Um, and I cannot replicate them. I've tried it so many times and I can never I can never get them the same. Even when I use exactly the same ingredients. It's always that secret touch. Yeah, I don't know what it is. She's not told me that bit, if that's true. Yeah, I can't do it. And is that every Sunday? Well, no, I haven't had, do you know what? I haven't had a roast with my mum for, I mean, it's been difficult with COVID, right? Uh, I couldn't tell you when the last time was. It's going to be, uh, yeah, do you know, I don't know because we didn't do Christmas. Um, it's probably been nearly two years since I've wow. had one, which is a massive shame. But when I lived at home, it was, uh, yeah, it was Sunday. Every single Sunday was roast dinner. Yeah, every Sunday. I need to I need to get in touch and get one. She did offer me one um, two weeks ago, but I wasn't around. Um, yeah, I was gutted about that. And what about Bueno? When did you first have a Bueno? I don't know, actually. Uh, you can't remember your first Bueno. I can't remember my first Bueno. I should do. 
I can't, and I could, uh, no, I couldn't even tell you when my last bueno was. It was within the last few weeks. Um, doesn't bueno mean good? Isn't that, I'm pretty sure that's the translation. I think so. Okay, yeah, I'm pretty sure bueno means good. Um, do you want to Google that? It means good or right. It means good or right. Oh, this is Google search. Good or right. Yeah, there you go. I think it's more, it should be, what would be um, Spanish for amazing? That's what it should be called. That was Ollie, by the way, just showing us Google Translate on his phone. It's good. Good tool. Good teaching tool as well, that Translate. My first bueno, I think I was about three years old. I, I vividly remember getting uh, Lego, Lego Island on PC, CD-ROM <laughs> with it. Don't know why I remember that, but... Yeah. See, I'm surprised they've been around that long. I didn't know. I definitely didn't have a bueno when I was when I was a child. Um, I was an adult when I had my first one. Not that I remember the exact. I mean, you remember being free having a bueno. That's how good they are. They are brilliant. Yeah, I, I'm not disputing that. <laughs> I do like a good bueno. Yeah, well, I feel like we should have brought some along. That would be. But I can't have too many. That's also a a thing. I, if I have too much chocolate, I feel a bit sick. It's a bit sickly. I, you know, two bars of bueno. That's enough. Can't have, I definitely couldn't eat two of those things. Bueno, yeah, Bueno's my favorite snack. Okay, lunch break's over. Let's get back to talking about your boat, Andy. So you mentioned that you've met a lot of people who I suppose also have got into boating as a hobby. I mean, what's your best experience with other uh, people who've got into that? That's a good question. Yeah, there's been a few. Um, I mean, when I first got the boat, I. <laughs> I'm pretty confident in a lot of ways, but with some of these things, it's so new and I was terrified. So when I first got the boat, I couldn't, uh, I wasn't very good at driving it and I'm probably not that good at it now either. The thing is huge. Like when I stand at the back and I try and navigate the thing, it is massive and it's over 30 tons. So when I first got it, so this is going to be kind of a long winded way to answer your question. When I first got it, I was really nervous about driving and, uh, I have to I have to move every two weeks as part of my license agreement. I get to stay in any one place for two weeks and then I move and I don't have to move very far, but I do have to move. So the first two weeks, um, I'd, I'd arrange with someone like a friend, oh, do you want to come with me and help me move the boat? Um, which was fine because the boat was a new thing and people were keen to come. But it, I think it was only on the second move, I didn't have anyone to go with me and uh, it was in the week I had to move just the way that the date had fallen. So I had to navigate my first lock and uh, I was terrified. Like this was a scary thought. Um, you know, now I can do them fine. I'm not scared anymore. But at the time, this was a big deal and I was genuinely was quite stressed. And uh, so I went down to the lock that morning and I watched a boat coming through just to try and get some tips and stuff. And uh, there was a random guy um, at the lock and I said, oh, I'm coming through in a bit myself. I'm just a bit nervous about driving. And he himself lived on a boat. This was out in uh, Watford, so out west. And he said, oh, like, I'm not doing anything today. I'll, I'll come with you if you want. And I was like, really, would you? And he was like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll come for a drive. I'll show you how to do it. And he, and he did exactly that. I went and got the boat. He went and he went and got his bike, turned up at the boat, put his bike on and was like, let's go. And he, he gave me like a training session. We did the lock. And because he was so relaxed, he was a really cool guy. Um, I was like, brilliant. Well, I don't have to worry about this, but he made me do it. Like he was a pretty good teacher. Actually looking back, he was, he didn't, he didn't take over any of it. He just kept asking me questions like what's up ahead. What can you see? What, what, what are you thinking about? Where should we be positioned? All those kinds of things. And, um, 
this might not seem like anything, but that day, because I was so stressed about moving the boat and this random guy just went, yeah, I'll come with you. I'd never met him before. Um, he had an odd name. It was, he had like a nickname. He called himself it was Skippy or something like that. I mean, I should remember. Um, but anyway, yeah, he came with me. He spent like three hours with me. I think we moved the boat, parked it up. Obviously my stress was over for a two week period at least. Um, I felt 10 times better about using the boat. And at the time I was like, crazily um I don't know what the feeling was it, but it was brilliant it was almost like right so I've just met this random guy who was more than helpful like didn't need to help me at all he almost like saved me at that point um and then off he went and it was like cool and I saw him about six months later and um he remembered me and he said hi and stuff but I mean that's one example but I've had that happens all the time like all the time um generally the people on the water they're quite friendly um some some are not it's a bit like having a dog and if you walk in the park and you've got a dog you'll know the feeling people that would never say hello to you say hello and other people with dogs also say hello to you so it's that kind of nature um so yeah that's one example but there have been there's like 50 of those um but that was my first probably example of where i met someone new and he was quite interesting um yeah i guess you'll be able to like pass the torch with that sort of information you've got now. Yeah, no, I won't do that. I'm, I, <laughs> so I watch people struggle and uh, and laugh. No, exactly that. I've, I, yeah, I, I try to. I don't think I've got the best advice. Um, but one thing as well that probably might be useful to other people is, um, the whole time of being like anxious or, or fearful of this, of doing this, like not really the building but the driving was always I was thinking, well, other people know, they know the rules, they know where to park and how to tie the knots and or how you pass people and what the etiquette is. But I've been doing it long enough now to realise no one knows. None of the people on the waterway know. Uh, some people are confident and you kind of think that they know more and some are not. And so that's kind of been a bit of a learning curve as well is to kind of go, do you know what, just just fake it till you make it, be confident because, you know, I know enough. Um, but I've sort of learned that as I've gone along. So not so fearful anymore. So you made the comparison of having a boat to having a dog. Yeah. And I I know that you have a dog, Andy. Would you like to yeah, introduce I have, one uh, podcast? I have an English pointer named Hugo. He's uh he's about twelve years old now. Um yeah, and I have him. He he also stays on the boat. He doesn't like water, thank God. So he doesn't jump in. That would be um that'd be annoying if he was constantly doing that. The canal water is not the cleanest. Yeah, so yeah, you go. It's pretty good. Is he adjusted to the to the lifestyle? I suppose to the boat life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a strange one because um, so I live out in Thurrock, which is you know rural Thurrock, uh, but it's it's got a lot more land around it than when I'm in central London on the boat. So when I'm out in Essex, obviously I take Hugo to a nice place, or well, you know some nice places. Um, but when I'm in London, there's fewer of those places. There's some huge parks that I've been more next to, like Victoria Park, which are great. Um, but one of the real big pluses in London is everywhere allows dogs, where they don't seem to do that out, out this way. Like, for example, if, if we left work tonight and we had a dog, you wouldn't get, you wouldn't get the <laughs> dog in the goose, for example. Uh, but in London, everywhere seems, most places anyway, um, or reputable places let dogs in so in london yeah i think hugo's probably had a better time than than out because if i go anywhere most of the time i'll try and take him with me yes so i think i don't know he hasn't said whether he likes the boat or not so what's also interesting about um having a dog and a boat is uh 
so where um, where I'm at at the moment, where am I? I'm in uh, in a place called De Beauvoir, which is in um, Haggerston, so just down from uh, Shoreditch. So it's a really busy area, quite a young area as well. And at the weekends or anytime really, when I'm working on the boat, I'll have Hugo on the back deck. It's quite, quite a big deck area. Hugo will be laying on there. But the walls are so thin on the boat, I can hear people as they walk past. So I often hear people like, oh, look at the dog or, oh, would you live on a boat? And all these kind of, and sometimes you hear the ones where it's like, God, I couldn't live on that and things like that. It's quite interesting to hear all the canal um, sort of gossip as people go past. It's actually funny though, this is not really for this, but um, if I take, uh, you've been on the boat, right, Oliver, I'll take the, um, I've got cardboard up over the windows on the on the towpath side because I have at least some privacy from that because I don't have blinds or anything yet because I'm still painting and whatnot. I took them down the other day just to paint and uh, it's crazy how many people when they're walking past, they'll have a right nose in, people stop and they try and get down and have a look. I mean, I'll do the same if I walk past someone else's. It's just interesting when you're the one that's in it and people are trying to get a look. Okay, Andy, I have to I have to know what is the best dog place in London, dog friendly place in London. As it oh, oh the oh there's a f- well there's a few. So the park itself, Victoria Park, I'd say it's the one that I've been to the most. Um, on it's in East London. Victoria Park is an amazing park. It's got two sides to it. I think that's great. There's some restaurants in the park that are really good. And there's a little place called Victoria Park Village where there's also nice pubs and stuff like that. I've spent probably most of my time when I've been in London around that area. But there's loads, to be honest. Um, I mean, there's even a pl- there's there's places I've been to, which I won't remember their names of, that have dog-friendly places where they've even, they've even got like a dog menu, which I've not, I've not um, taken part in. But yeah, I've... A dog menu, yeah. I've not fallen for that yet. Um, but yeah, no, there's, there's tons of places. If you had to like rank top three, if you can remember. Top three dogs. Top three places. dog friendly places. Uh, well, all right. So there's well, Victoria Park, number one, because uh, they do loads of like dog meetups and things like that in the park. So I can just randomly turn up and chat to people one of the one of the meetups was a puppy group and i've made some really good friends from that puppy group um but my dog's 12 and uh all the people had puppies and they'd be like how old's your dog and i'd say 12 and they go 12 months and i'm like no 12 years so i was a bit of a rogue um puppy in that puppy club uh top three so victoria park the second one is a place called you might have to cut this down to get the Mildred's, it's a restaurant in, I think it's in Dalston. Um, they let dogs in and um, yeah, super friendly. That was another good place. Uh, third one, I don't know, you know, I, I struggle with that question. I don't know, they're all good. There's been like that whole shift towards like dogified places, I suppose, in London and things like that. I mean, yeah. It's, the other risk is now everyone's got one so because of uh, lockdown there's loads more dogs so when I go into places if they've got a dog that doesn't like other dogs that becomes a bit tricky but no most mostly it's been fine so how often do you stay on the boat yeah um so I I'm not living on it full time uh I stay to be honest I'm on it more than I am at home now it's in a position where it's it's it's, it's like it's home ready it's not completely finished I'm still decorating but yeah, I'm on it most of the time. I'd say 80 to 90% of the, the time I'm now staying on the boat. As I said, I'm in London, so it's more interesting for me to be there. So yeah, most of the time now on the boat. But I, I still don't say that I live on the boat because I have got the, um, the ability to go home 
when it gets too much, if it gets too much. How about like working from home? Is that all on the boat? Yeah, again, so it's, I split my time uh, when I am working from home, which is still a fair amount. I've, I've got Wi-Fi on the boat. That's something that always surprises people. But yeah, I've, it's no different to a home. It's just I, I have a different type of internet. It's not on a cable in the house. It's on an antenna. But yeah, I work remotely using the, the Wi-Fi. No, no real issues there. It's, it's no real different, to be honest. What about the challenging aspects of staying on the boat? Um, yeah, there's like anything there's there's loads and that that was the type of thing back in the day people would say what about this and what about that and all this kind of stuff and that's true it's all valid that's the same with anything you do um so yeah there are challenging aspects there's a few actually and it, this will probably put people off the idea but it but it really isn't that bad um i have to move the boat as i've already said every two weeks now in london it's a bit more tricky to get a spot so I have to be a bit organized with that. I can't just, or I can, I guess, just untie and drive off and hope to find a space. But I do tend to have a little ride on my bike, check for a spot. If there's one, I go and grab it. If there's not, I, I look somewhere else. That That's probably the, the biggest annoyance. Um, but of course, every two weeks, I'm in a new place and that I really enjoy. The other one is um, just little things like I don't have a bin outside my house like most of us do so when you empty your bins you go and put it outside I have to walk depending on where I am never that far in normally you know three four minutes to the nearest um, bin that I can throw my waste in my rubbish in um, and then the only other one is water is I have a water tank that I have to fill up at certain points along the canal so every now and then I have to I just have to be mindful of it, really. I don't leave a tap on for, you know, 20 minutes while I'm not paying attention like you might do at home. You shouldn't do that anyway. But, um, yeah, when I go home, I quickly switch back to the, the bad habits. But, yeah, that they're it, really. Water, having to throw your waste um, in a bin that might not be right outside and having to move the boat. There's a lot of myths about um, it must be freezing on there because you're sitting in water. There is truth to that, but the boat that I have is is brand new. It's all fully insulated. I will have a wood burner as of three or four days' time, and I have central heating, so boat heat-wise is is not an issue. I guess despite all that, it's a pretty positive experience. Yeah, I'm slightly biased, obviously, but um, but I'm I'm truthful about it. There, it's not for everyone. Uh, if you like doing this sort of thing, if you wanted to do a project and build something, I'd highly recommend it. If you want to live on the water and buy a boat fully done, I, I think it's a, a great existence. I really do. I won't do it forever. This was a project that I wanted to do, and uh, I don't really know where it's going to go next. But it, it's sort of yeah. It, I've said this many times, but it's paid for itself. The project has given me loads of experiences, loads of enjoyment, not a huge amount of negatives. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, I don't regret it. It's, I highly recommend, but I recommend anyone doing anything they want to do, if I'm honest. I guess you're saying you don't really know where it's going to go. I suppose that's kind of the fun of it. Yeah. Yeah, that might make me sound like a bit of an idiot, really, because it's almost like, well, you're just doing it. And it's not also at this point, it's not that I've got loads of money that I'm like, yeah, I'll just throw a load of money at this project. And it doesn't matter, like sink the boat at the end. It's not like that at all. I need every penny that I've put into the boat. This has been my like skiing, as I said earlier, on my my hobby. Um, but yeah, I don't 
I don't really know where it's going to go. Uh, it's, as I keep saying, it's given me lots of opportunities that I didn't know existed, given me lots of experiences I didn't, I didn't know I wanted. So uh, yeah, there's no, there really isn't much plan as to where this ends. It's, if I'm bored, it's gone. If, uh, if I enjoy it, I'll carry on. That's, that's really it really. But I don't think I'll be on it more than, I'll probably have it another couple of years and then I'll, I'll want to do something else Amazing. Well, thank you, Andy, for sharing about your boat. Again, I just love hearing about it. It's it's always just a, a great sort of reminder that you know you can just sort of dive into things head first and see where it goes. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully it's interesting. Hopefully, people hear this and think it's interesting. I mean, like I say, I was I was slightly reluctant to do it because I I'm aware that I don't shut up about it. Um, but if anyone wants to know about it, give me a shout because I will chew your ear off about it. If you'd like to be on the podcast, just send us an email. We are digitallearning at bdc.ac.uk and we'll be back next fortnight. Fortnight? Yeah, fortnight with another podcast just like this. Again, thank you, Andy, for joining us and we will see you then. Cheers.